You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 325. I'm Jimmy Kempsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of bleedinggreennation.com. The Eagles had their second set of OTAs this week, uh, one practice of which we were allowed to attend just like last week. We were allowed to attend one practice then. Last episode, we kind of batted back and forth what we saw at that practice. We'll do the same thing here. Nothing too complicated. Probably a shorter episode. But before we get to all that goodness, I know I need to know where I can find the finest meat snacks in the land. Jimmy, always never true when we say a shorter episode. We always say that to each other. It ends up being an <laughs> yeah. hour, hour plus. So um, we'll see how this well, goes. Well, I don't have I don't have many practice notes. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Um, of course, the fine people, the fine listeners of this program can go to Righteous Felon dot com get some craft jerky with discount code bgn15 for 15% off your order a lot of good offerings at rightsofselling.com you can get some smoky meat snacks and that's the kind of smoke you do want in your life the kind of smoke you don't want in your life is this canadian wildfire bs that is polluting the air in the northeast and philadelphia area especially uh, along with some other major metropolitan cities uh jimmy i got to say not a big fan of this smoke, uh, have not been feeling well this week. I've had a really, really? sore throat. Yeah. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's totally related. I think I kind of got like a cold on Monday, but, yeah. um, couldn't do anything. Energy level was bad. Started to feel better energy wise on Tuesday, but my throat was like really sore. And like, I feel like I haven't been able to like get right this whole week because this air is awful. And like, I just, I think it's kind of like keeping me no pun intended in a haze mentally, uh, so yeah, that's my complaint at the top of the podcast. I, I hate this batter. I, lo- I love how, like, whenever the, some event unexpectedly comes uh, about, like this, like these wildfires, people that aren't experts pretend like they are experts. It, like in this case, you know, like air quality index. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone reads one thing about air quality index and suddenly they're, uh, they're, they're, you know, experts on that. Just like in COVID, when everyone was like, a, everyone all, all of a sudden became like a microbiologist, <laughs> like overnight. Mm-hmm. So I always find that funny when people sort of uh, position themselves as experts on that crap when they really have no idea what they're talking about. But yeah, it, it, it was kind of a bummer. I actually have Phillies tickets for like the first time in years. Oh, wow. On, uh, I guess the game was originally scheduled on for Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, drove to the game, got over the bridge. As soon as we got over the bridge, game canceled like come on you're gonna you're gonna cancel the game an hour and a half before you couldn't the the smoke was really a surprise you didn't know that it was that you couldn't smell taste and see it the entirety of the day you had to wait until an hour and a half before before first pitch to cancel the game ridiculous and then the next day uh they are gonna have the game i don't want to go through the situation again where you know i'm driving to the game and they cancel it again Mm -hmm. uh but it was cool actually uh the phillies did not refund tickets once once you know, Major League Baseball has your money. They are not giving no it back under any circumstances. Uh, but they did allow us to at least uh, postpone our whatever game, you know, we choose mm-hmm. down the line. 
And then, of course, they play the game and it winds up being like a, a very exciting game <laughs> that they that they won, I believe, in walk off fashion. I didn't see the game, but they, I mean, on they, Thursday they night, you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Thursday night. They, they it was almost a no hitter. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Zach Wheeler, I think, went seven innings with no hits um, and then gave it up in the eighth. But. Uh, yeah, so we missed out on a good game, <laughs> but like you know, I want to go to a game where like the weather's really nice. Right? You, know, you just that's that's the appeal of the game to me is just going out, nice weather, chill out, have a couple of beers, watch the game, but like just relaxed. And uh, I kind of feel like that you know that that wasn't going to happen with you know all the all the smoke and whatever. Well, but that's that's the interesting that that you didn't feel great from it. Yeah. Um, I've heard other, I really I saw other to... people saying that too on like Twitter and other, I guess, other social media platforms. Just, yeah, not feeling good this week. So if you're not feeling good because of the smoke, <laughs> hashtag I hate smoke. <laughs> it is uh, clearing up today. We're recording this, by the way, on Friday. I hope so. To our listeners. But it, it, I mean, it already is. Like the AQI number is, you know, a little <laughs> expert that I am on air quality index. Uh, I'm looking at my phone. It's a 111 right now mm. in Marlton, New Jersey. It was like well up over 300 um, yesterday. I think like this time yesterday morning. Yeah. Uh, so it is clearing up, and uh, you know the the alert ends. I think at midnight tonight, where like so it should be pretty much cleared up by then. But yeah, kind of a weird. Uh, you know, you never know what what weird thing you're going to learn about. <laughs> like there's a lot of that crap going on these days um and it impacted the eagles which is why partially why mm -hmm. i brought it up because they moved their practice from being outside to the indoor bubble which for newer listeners and those who are not familiar it's much less space inside their practice facility yeah. where 60 yards yeah outside they have like three or four full length base four you're right four full length 100 yard fields uh to work on and inside the bubble, like you said, only 60 yards. It's tight in there. It's, it is kind of nice, I think, as media members to get, I think, like one indoor practice per like training camp or whatever, because then you kind of, it's just like a different perspective. You know, it's, you get to be up close a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I don't mind like one day like that because it's, it's a change of pace too, especially in training camp as opposed to just standing out in the sun all the time. It's like nice to be indoors for a change, but, um, certainly for, the OTA setting, it's probably not great because the practice There's 90 players. <laughs> yeah, there's 90 players. Minus the 10 that did that weren't there or whatever. But okay, sure. so like 80 players and then a full coaching staff and scouts and they're they're there. It's just a lot of people in a small area. And there's no with training camp, you're still doing eleven on eleven. You're still seeing some like various mm -hmm. real action versus you know, there's no pads. This is seven on seven. The action's very limited anyway. And now it's in the indoor bubble where there isn't a ton of space. So um, the action was a little, uh, even more sparse than it usually would be last week, but I feel like we still have some noteworthy observations to get to yeah. here, do some bat it back and forth. I don't think there's anywhere else to start Jimmy than with my guy <laughs> who I was pumping up last week and I've been kind of, um, you know, saying, don't sleep on this guy. Maybe he could do something at the linebacker position. In part, simply because there's such an opening at that spot that it feels like anyone can kind of step up. And that's none other than Christian Ellis, Jimmy, who had an interception last week in practice and had another one. Um, unlike last week, where he picked off Marcus Mariota, picked off Jalen Hurts. On a, I thought that was a really impressive interception, middle of the field, where he drops back into coverage, 
So you see the athleticism there. And then the instincts to kind of cut off the route, make the play, good hands. And then, you know, it wasn't a real game, but took it back for six as well. So um, I thought that was a really impressive play. Yeah, and a nice pass breakup before that yes. as well. Um, and yeah, so I actually, I have, I already have an article on him in the bank, like a, a breakdown from his play in 2022. And he only he only played like 20-something snaps. It's basically just uh, the end of the games against uh, the Titans and the Giants, which were back-to-back during the regular season last year. They were both blowouts, so he played in the, in, at the end of those games. Ahead of Sean Bradley, interestingly. Sean Bradley did not get a yes. single defensive snap on the season mm-hmm. last year. And then he also got some playing time, of course, in the blowout uh, in the NFC Championship in the NFC championship game and then in the game before that uh in the divisional round game against the giants uh only played like i think four snaps in one of those games and five snaps in the other so in total including the playoffs he played like 30 something snaps Mm -hmm. and the amount of plays that he was involved in in that limited action was actually pretty impressive like he actually like was was very active uh in those games and when you look at his pro day numbers they're not bad like he actually has some athleticism he's not just some unathletic slug who, you know, uh, didn't get drafted because he couldn't move. Not at all. Like, I'm surprised he actually didn't get drafted because, you know, he's he's a smart, instinctive player. And, like, his measurables really are fine. Like, he's not yeah. a smaller guy. He's got decent athleticism. And, you know, I, I don't know what happened where he didn't get drafted or whatever. And he was with uh, – he was also with the 49ers, I believe, right? Very like, briefly, uh, 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 I think the 20 – was it – 2021 season or was it, I think it was probably 2021 yeah because yeah. he was with the he was with the eagles the entirety okay. of the year last then, yeah, year 2021 <clears throat> and then you know obviously he um he got called up to the regular roster last year after the packers game because the eagles had they had hor- they had a horrible game in their kick coverage yes. in that game Keyshawn nixon for the packers had three return three long returns i think two of them were over 50 yards and one of them was like 38 or 40 yards or something like that. And um, they were like, yeah, changes have to happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, they they actually said something, you know, new is going to happen. And, you know, we were kind of, like, wondering what that would be heading into game day that week. And all it was was just Christian Ellis got called up from the practice squad on a uh, temporary call-up, that is, like a game day call-up. And that was it. That was the only change they made. And he actually kind of helped make a difference uh, on the kick coverage teams. Uh, eventually got promoted to the you know regular active 53-man roster. So he was on the roster last year. I think he's you know thought of by the team as sort of the, the top special teams linebacker now, I think over Sean Bradley. And uh, you know certainly with the way he, that he's played so far in OTAs, you have to wonder whether he can compete for you know the starting job opposite. I think N'Kobe Dean's starting job is um, you know pretty well set, but he can maybe compete with Nicholas Morrow's contract. It's one year, barely over a million dollars. So it's not like, so maybe you know, like, that's not like starting, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not exactly starting line, you know, starting player type money. It's not even make the so I think there's a sure legitimate type money. There's a legitimate chance that, that he can compete for a roster spot. And then of course, I think they're also going to add a linebacker at some point uh, between now and the start of the regular season, whether that's, you know, by trade or whatever else. Uh, but it's an interesting position to watch because, it is like a, a concern area, probably the biggest concern area, like on the roster itself. It's obviously not as important a position to the Eagles as 
really any other position on the team if we're, if we're being honest. Uh, but like, I, I do think that, you know, you don't want to go back to, you know, the seasons where teams just pick them apart in the middle of the field because they didn't have good linebackers thinking back like to the Nate Gary days. You don't want Nate Gary level play at linebacker. You just, and you know, they got good play. They got legitimately good play out of TJ Edwards last year. Kaiser, Kaiser white was fine. Uh, if they can just get competent play out of their linebackers, I think they'll be fine, but it is a concern area. He had nine solo tackles and 11 combined tackles in 22 defensive snaps, according mm-hmm. to Pro Football Reference. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe some of the, that special teams, too. But still, even so, like that, who cares? Like, that's that's really good. That's a really good production. Uh, he, he plays like he has, what's the phrase? Like, his hair's on fire. Uh, a lot of juice, a lot of energy. Um, For that breakdown, I think I cut, I think I actually cut 10 or 11 plays. Okay. From those, from that small number of snaps. He, look, you know, I've seen OTA mirages before. Look at Devontae Bosby. Uh, Big Devontae, Big Boz Bosby was (laughs) looking great. I I forget what, I guess that was 2017, maybe. Uh, I forget the year, but. Maybe 2016. 2018. That might even be, that might even be Chip. Because that was actually 2018. It's 2018. They got him in 2017. Um, Okay. In any case. He, he did actually, and that wasn't even totally wrong because he did stick in the league for a little while thereafter. Right, exactly. That's what I mean. But I mean, like, I don't think he made the team that year. I think he, he, they kept him yeah. on the practice squad. Um, but point is, like, I don't think just because someone looks good in OTAs definitely means they're like making the team or starting or anything. But I, I do believe, and it kind of sets the table for okay. Like, I mean, Kristen Ellis needs to be taking so, at least some reps with the first team in training camp. Like he's earned that, mm-hmm. I feel like, at least to rotate in there and see what you have more in him. And if he continues to play well, then yeah, he should be the starter. He should he should claim a starting job. Um so yeah, been really impressed with him. Uh he's only twenty four. Like I, I I think to you you talked about like, you know, why did he kinda uh why why did he fly under the radar? I mean he went to Idaho, so it's not like, you know, this huge yeah. college program. Maybe he just kinda got like under scouted and underlooked and and some guys, I think, bloom later. Maybe, you know, it just took him some time to chip away and grow into his body and everything and um, just kind of quietly develop behind the scenes. And that's really benefited him. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, you know, like, I, I think they might have something in him. Like, that's these plays are, like, pretty impressive. And and I and I think the size component of it, not that he's, like, the, the biggest linebacker ever, but he's, what, like, 6'3", 241 or so. And... To have that there at linebacker next to the Kobe Dean, I think, is like nice as opposed to Nicholas Morrow, who's also small. Like, <laughs> and you're having two really small starting linebackers to have a guy with actually more adequate size, I think, is is nice. And uh, yeah, so I think Christian Ellis might actually be a factor. And again, even if he's not a starter, I think maybe he could rotate. Um, you know, but with those two top linebackers, depending how things go. And I guess my last point on Ellis isn't about Ellis at all. Um. And it is about Nicobe Dean a little bit <clears throat> here, where, you know, since Nicobe Dean has joined the team, I've seen like a lot of linebackers flash in a practice setting. And I would just like to see that from Nicobe at some point. And look, there's plenty of time for that to happen in training camp. I think it kind of needs to happen. It would be nice to see that at some point. But it is kind of funny to me, like how I've seen like almost everyone else flash and it's just been very quiet from him. Yeah. Uh, he actually comes from Christian Ellis. Come, getting back to him for a second, like he comes from a football family. To his dad yep. was Luther Ellis, who was former first round pick in 1995. Uh, played for a long time with the Lions. Uh, played for a year with the Broncos. Made two Pro Bowls. 
Um, and then, of course, Christian Ellis has a couple of brothers, one mm-hmm. of which, one of whom is on the Eagles, Noah Ellis. And then there's Caden yep. Ellis, who plays for the Saints, who actually plays in games. Like he actually has a role on like their a defense. Deal. He signed a three-year, twenty-one point five million deal this year. Oh, did he? I didn't see yeah. that. Okay, but yeah, it's a it's a legit football family, um, not unlike you know the Matthews family back back in the day. Oh no! So hopefully the Eagles don't get the bad brother uh, in in this scenario again. Well, I mean, the lesser brother probably is fair to say just because <laughs> yeah, Caden yeah, Ellis right. is really good, but um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that's a really nice development. And uh, last thing I'll say, Nellis, is that like part of why you don't necessarily need to rush to go out and get another linebacker is uh, you can see what you have here for a little bit. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can see how things go early in training camp, and then if it's not good, then you make a trade, kind of like they did with Ronald Darby back in 2017, where you're like, we need some help here, uh, but maybe you can just ride it out if not. Yeah, the urgency to you know do something right this second probably isn't yeah. there after you see what he. And again, we only saw two practices, by the way. Like sure. they had five total OTA practices. We only got to see two of them, so we don't know what the rest of those practices look like. Yeah. Uh, but just going off what stunk. we saw, he looked good. <laughs> All the other ones just, just turned it on for the media. Yeah, they, they didn't happen. <laughs> All right, next note. Um, the other interception that Jalen Hurts threw um, went to Makai Garner. It was covering uh, your guy, another one of your guys, Alameda Zacchaeus. Um, he punted the ball after the interception. Coaches didn't like that. Uh, Some of the but he's a big players corner. didn't like that either. I saw Goddard like mean mugging him. <laughs> Who did? I think Goddard was like mean mugging him after that. Oh, play. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a big corner, 6'2", 212. Uh, he was actually thought of as like a draftable player by the draft community. Like Lance Zierlein, NFL.com, I gave him a sixth, seventh round grade. Dane Brugler, the athletic game is seventh round game. I don't know if you do you ever look at like draft tech. They have like all they they'll 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 like rate like up to like five hundred players. Mm. So I reference them as a site often. They had him as the hundred and twenty fourth ranked prospect in the country. Actually, the second highest rated player that went undrafted. Wow. Um, went went to LSU originally. Went to Louisiana, transferred to LSU. Got a, got his hands on a lot of football. So like seven pass breaks in twenty twenty. Eight in 2021, eight in 2022. Didn't run a great 40 at the combine. Like uh, it was a four, five, five. But if you look at his measurables otherwise athletically, he's a pretty athletic player. Mm-hmm. Um, has some thump. I thought he might move to safety, which he hasn't so far. He's still a corner uh, for the Eagles. But, you know, when you looked at like when the, when the Eagles undrafted rookie signings came out, I think the name that, you know, everyone recognized on that list was Eli Ricks, who played for both LSU and Alabama. And at one time it was actually like in early, like, you know, way too early mock drafts, like a year ago this time, like people had him going in the first round. So he's a more recognizable name, but I actually think Garner is probably the, uh, the more intriguing prospect. Uh, Ricks is 93rd on the CBS sports pre-draft uh, prospect rankings. Okay. That they do. And then uh, Garner was down at 244th. So still like, okay. still like a draftable kind of player by that. Yeah. Is what, like 250 or 60, whatever kind of picks, 270 mm-hmm. something picks. Um, so yeah, certainly going to keep an eye on him moving forward, especially because there's so there's just so many corners on the roster. And it feels like they kind of need to almost transition one of those guys to safety at some point because they just have so many more corner bodies than they do at safety. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, nice to show some enthusiasm, but probably don't punt the ball like that. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny. I like it. Oh, it's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, in terms of not wanting to get beat up by the offense, maybe don't do that. 
uh, <laughs> well, you're also like asking to get, you know, they're going to they're gonna call like a double move on oh, you. Yeah. Like now, now they want to make you look bad. Right. right. So, <laughs> so like, you got to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I like, I like the uh, enthusiasm okay, from, uh, sure. from, I, from I do respect the enthusiasm, but, um, it's kind of funny. Uh, they do say, I, I, you know, I've heard players say, like, do something that makes you stand out. It definitely did make him stand out. They're not going to forget yeah. about that. Uh, on Hurts of it all, because we just mentioned Jalen Hurts getting picked mm-hmm. off by Christian Ellis and Makai Gardner, which is probably... A backup linebacker and undrafted rookie. <laughs> it's probably not what, like, people want to hear. <laughs> uh, look, you know, I think I said it last week. Uh, like, I don't think he looked as sharp as some others did. Now, obviously, the bit here... Uh, that or and it's not a bit to me. I'm being honest, but people will be like, "Oh, he didn't like hurt last training camp, and he played well in the regular season." That's true. Um, so I'm not making not trying to make him out in that of a molehill. But I will say what I do believe firmly is of the two days, and you weren't there last year, so sorry, you can't really weigh in on this part. But of the two days that we saw, How dare you in OTAs last year? Um, I thought like, and I I have evidence of this. You can look back at my practice notes, which I linked on bleedingyournation.com to last year. I thought Hertz looked really sharp last year, and this year I don't think he looked as good. Uh, which does that mean a lot? I don't know. Probably not. But I'm just it's true. Like that's just an objective statement that I'm putting out there. And to end it on a positive, uh, Hertz did have some good throws certainly in Thursday's practice he was connecting with Devontae Smith a lot including mm-hmm. on a double move deep down the field for a touchdown so um yeah not worried although like if he shows up in training camp and he has a ton of practices like this well then yeah that will mean something to me but until we cross that bridge uh I'm okay do I recall correctly that he kind of started out a little slow-ish in training camp last year, and then by the end, he really turned it on. I guess that's um, fair to say. I think that was more 2021, but... Okay. Um, I think, not to relitigate his entire 2022 training camp, but to do that, I mean, like, I feel like some of Hertz's biggest supporters among media members were not, like, thrilled by the training camp he had last year. Like, I would watch practice next to Elliot Short Parks, you know, who tracks every Hertz throw, and he didn't think Hertz had, like, an amazing camp, and he's always been a big Hertz believer. Um, but Wolf said that like the way Hertz played last year, it made him believe he would be the Eagles quarterback, like moving forward and get a contract. But I think he even said like, he did not expect Hertz to be as good as he was last year, even though he thought Hertz had a, a goodish camp. Uh, and I think you think Hertz had a relatively good camp last year, but I still yeah. think you would say the same. Like he, he still like way defied expectations based on what you saw. Oh, in practice. I mean, nobody saw, nobody saw him, you know, doing, what he did last year, you right. know, uh, obviously, uh, I think, you know, in my stock up, stock down tracker with him last year, mm-hmm. which I'm looking up right now, um, and I can't find it. I think I had more up than down by like a pretty solid margin too. Um, but yeah, certainly nobody saw, you know, the, the kind of season that he had at any point last year. I mean, the, that was one of the you know biggest surprises in recent Eagles history, the, the season that he had. And that's why they went to the Super Bowl, uh, essentially. So I'm not, it's, it's not a guy that I'm worried about at all. Uh, you mentioned the deep throw to, to Devonte Smith. Mm-hmm. That was on the money. Um, and again, like, it's just like the first couple of days of practice in June. Like it, they don't really, they really don't matter all that much. Um, even though we're doing a podcast episode about them. So, man, <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, he's gotten, as we mentioned during the last podcast, I think he's gotten to the point where we both kind of view him as like, not worried about that guy. Like that guy just works his ass off. Um, 
He's maximized the talent that he has. And I think he actually has more talent than maybe we originally gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. Me, the royal we, meaning, you know, me, you, media, and general fans in general, um, you know, draft experts, et cetera, right on down the line. I think he actually has more talent maybe than uh, he was ever given credit for. And he's maximized what he has. So that's not a guy that I'm worried about in any way whatsoever. And I think his decision making is only going to continue to get better and better and better as he continues to, you know, start in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like he did throw two picks, but like they weren't great throws, but you know, no big deal in June. It's also possible. He's like working on things, you know, like willing to make some more mistakes than yeah. usual. Cause he's just trying to test things out. I will give him, you know, some of that benefit of the doubt as well, especially in an OTA setting. Um, so yeah, like I'm not worried, but it it is like relevant data to me again. Whereas like <clears throat> we talked about Carson Wentz and I'm not comparing the two, but once upon a time, you know, we watched Carson Wentz stink it up in 2020 training camp. And I think you and I were like, I don't know how much to make of this. And then in hindsight, it was like, oh, well, yeah, this 2020 disastrous season. Well, the training camp performance kind of foretold that uh, looking mm-hmm. back. Um, so certainly, you know, again, if Hurts looked bad in training camp, then this would be more meaningful to me. But if he comes in in camp and he looks, you know, fine and great, and I expect him to, I fully expect him to look good, then it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't really matter. Uh, all right. Why don't we take a break here, Jimmy? But not before we hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. She just left, waved to me through the window. Uh, she's on her way to, I think she has some houses right now. Uh, but yeah, anyway, if you're looking for a realtor, uh, voted by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe. That's a true statement. Uh, no disclaimer needed there. That right. actually did happen. Uh, her number is 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295 if you are looking to buy or sell your home. Brandon? Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, where we're batting it back and forth as we do. Speaking of batting, did you see the A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts clips at the Phillies game? Jimmy, the the batting practice. Yes, AJ Brown can hit. Yeah, I mean he like it's not surprising from the standpoint. He was drafted. <laughs> yeah, he was like a top baseball prospect, and he was drafted by the Padres and actually signed with them. Um, which why is he couldn't play college baseball because he did that? But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if he if he wants to like play base, I don't know that he will. Doesn't need to. But if he like wanted to play baseball after his NFL career, you know, like a late kind of thirties, mid thirties, late thirties kind of a thing. I feel like he could. This be like a pinch hitter or something. Um, 
he got in some crap earlier in this offseason for claiming that he could hit 250 in the majors. And then after his uh I don't know about that. After his after his swings came out, he came I think it was Jason Kelsey was giving him like was giving him crap yeah. for it. And then he came back and he tagged Jason Kelsey and he said, "See, <laughs> you know, like see, I'm good." Uh, uh so I don't know if I've ever told this story here on the podcast, but um Riley Cooper Oh yeah, this uh, is a was, big of course, thing for you. Famously <laughs> drafted by the Phillies. I used to love uh doing this like uh so Riley Cooper used to claim he was such a predictable idiot. <laughs> he used to he used to claim anytime you asked him about his baseball background, he would say you could drop me into center field right now and I would be I don't know if he said top 5 or top 10 uh in major league baseball defensively. He said it would take him some time to you know get reacclimated sure. at the plate and become a good hitter, but he said you could just drop me in the outfield right now and I'd be a top 5 top 10 <laughs> defensive outfielder right this second. And I knew he loved saying that. So anytime there was like a Riley Cooper media scrum, I would ask him purposely something about baseball, knowing he would say that and knowing that whoever was in that media scrum was like, who hadn't already heard him say that was probably going to write about it. Right. So I would, I played a game with myself just trying to see how many people I could get to write an article about Riley Cooper claiming he'd be a top 10 outfielder in major league baseball. Nice. (laughs) But these guys, they love a lot of these athletes love to, you know, sort of want to be thought of as great um, athletes in other sports. And we saw from AJ Brown here, saw from, you know, Riley Cooper in the past. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys like, and, like, and, and other talents beyond just sports or whatever. Jake Elliott, by the way, holy crap. He's like amazing at pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, like ping pong, tennis, um, soccer. And he's pretty good uh, at like, can, I don't, bowling. I don't know that he's hitting home runs, but I think he could play. Uh, no, he was. Yeah. So apparently he, he was, uh, he was awesome in a in some other I don't know it, it was it wasn't Devonte Smith's thing, but he was he well, they had some kind of softball thing. thing, and he was he was parking him I think at uh it was it was him and Richard Rogers mm-hmm. who were standouts in whatever softball event they had. Yes, um, it is kind of lame to me like how we don't see the multi sport professional athlete anymore. You know what I mean? Like growing up, uh, well not yeah, growing up Dion, for me, Bo. but like my parents' generation or whatever. Yeah, like these guys who uh, did – like that's – I mean, not really to the same level of success, but Jordan with base. You know what I mean? Like you don't see any of that at all, which is kind of crazy. Like there isn't even one guy doing that. Um, I feel like we need that. And this is me bringing it up to say I feel like the Phillies should be able to kind of like have A.J. Brown in their lineup maybe for the summer upcoming here as a pinch hitter again. So like, you know, not playing the field, not really risking getting hurt too much, just, you know. Uh, pinch hitter late in the game, come in. I feel like he could provide some pop off the bench. Uh, something to think about. I guess the Phillies there was, can't because the Padres have his right still, but whatever. There was one time Deion Sanders played an NFL game, and then he hopped in a helicopter. Yep. My boss at my old job <laughs> at the sandwich place I used to work at, Tasty Sub Shop, um, told me the story. Yes. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, like, is- he hopped, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't have the story down pat, but he hopped in a helicopter, yep. and he also played for the Braves. Yep. Uh, who were in the playoffs? And he—I don't know if he actually played in the game or not. He did. But he hopped in a helicopter and he joined the team 
in I think it was the NLCS. That's crazy. Um, I don't know. I remember who they were playing, but he joined the team and was there and was able apparently able to play. He would have played two sports in one day, which would have been freaking crazy. Again, I feel like we need to see more of that. Uh, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Elsewhere in our, I almost said training camp. Not quite. That'll be late July. In our Eagles OTA observations. Um, how about Terrell Edmonds, who I've said okay. I think people are kind of sleeping on him a little bit mm-hmm. or kind of just not really sleeping, but it's kind of being like, oh, yeah, he's definitely not starting. I'm like, well, why? Like he was a he started five years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pretty right, good. A good defense. And, and like a team that knows what they're doing generally. Never been like, mm-hmm. n- have not had a losing season since 2003. Uh, right. And again, I, I've talked about it before. Like Steelers fans were kind of sad to see him go. They weren't like, oh, whatever, like leave. No, like they kind of wanted him back. Um, mm-hmm. not devastated. I think that he left, but like kind of like a little bummed. So, uh, to have him as a credible, I would say starter in the NFL, not a star, a guy who, and I think there's kind of a lot of safeties like this. Um, Tukoski Tart had this reputation for the 49ers where, um, a guy who wasn't necessarily known for making big plays as much as he kind of just was in the right position often and mm-hmm. didn't give up big plays. So somewhere in that, uh, happy medium, I guess you could call it. So, uh, but he did have a splash play in practice where he knocked down a, about a, a Jalen Hurts pass that would have been like a 40 yard touchdown to the aforementioned, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus OZ. I will henceforth reference, uh, him as, uh, so yeah, I, I just don't think he's like going to be easily displaced from the starting lineup. I think Edmonds is going to start for the Eagles this season. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think they're actually going to play three safeties quite a bit. So whoever doesn't win that starting job, I think is still going to get playing time. But I'm with you. If I were to handicap it right now, it'd be Edmonds and Blankenship for me. I agree. And uh, Sidney Brown probably has more talent in his body than either of those guys. Uh, Edmonds is big, by the way. He's 6'1", 217. So he's got the most size of, of the three safeties. Uh, Brown is, you know, the least gifted size-wise, uh, 5'11". But he's got the most athletic ability of the three. Um but like, I don't know how the the defenses under, um, you know, Jonathan Gannon and now Sean Desai differ from like J- the Jim Schwartz days at the safety position. But Jim Schwartz used to always say, like, safeties are will have a really hard time getting a role in the regular defense. Safeties and linebackers would have a uh, you know difficult chance getting a real role in the defense. Um, because it's it's difficult for them to learn. So I don't know how that how that's different from his defense to the you know the the the, the current defense and you know what Jonathan Gannon ran last year. We'll see. Um, but Sidney Brown's smart. He's fast. He's athletic. Um, he had you know of course the Red Star uh, tag attached to him during draft season um, f- for you know a player that um, sort of the Eagles you know what what they target in terms of um, character and, and, you know, everything they look for in a prospect. So we'll see. Um, but I think the safety position is fine. Like there's a lot of talk about, you know, they, them maybe trading for a guy like a Buddha Baker or, um, Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard was, was asked to take a pay cut. He said, no, thank you on that. It looks like they're not going to cut him or anything like that. Um, so maybe that situation has kind of fixed itself. But I don't know that the Eagles really need a safety that badly. I kind of like those three guys at the top. Especially when you just look at the history of what they invested that position. It's not a ton of either draft picks or money. It's kind yeah. of a position they're going to go lighter at. So, yeah, I think they're going to kind of be 
happy with what they have for now. Uh, what else do you have? Um, I'm we. I don't remember if we covered this on the last podcast, but it's, a, it's an it's an observation that I know that I missed was that Kyron Johnson, second year hmm. uh, linebacker, is now an off ball linebacker hmm. as opposed to uh, a Sam linebacker, more of like a rush linebacker uh, behind Hassan Reddick. I think there's more opportunity for him to make the roster as an off ball linebacker than there is for him on the edge. They're loaded on the edge with, of course, Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and BG and now Nolan Smith. And you got Patrick Johnson still there, who I think they like. There's not many spots available there. So if he's going to make the team, it's going to have to be as an off ball linebacker. So uh, he's moving there. He played some of that in Kansas uh, in college. So it's not totally uh, unfamiliar ground for him. Uh, but I don't know if that's, um, I, I, I think, I think, you know, they hadn't drafted Nolan Smith. He probably doesn't move. Mm. So it's probably not the best thing that he is moving from, you know, a, is this guy going to make the team yeah. standpoint? Um, and he's going to have to learn quickly that position or else he's probably not going to make the team. So uh, I think it's a bad thing for him that, that he moved, mm. but I don't know. We'll see. He does have that versatility. But it is worth noting that uh, I think he's a guy that's you know firmly on the bubble. The reverse, or they're Hassan Redicking him, taking him from edge rusher. Yes, and I think the book on him there was he's undersized, but had a lot of you know like athletic traits and tools, which mm -hmm. I think you kind of provides intrigue at an edge rusher spot. So yeah, I don't I don't necessarily love that. I did see him give up a catch to Dan Arnold, who for the second straight practice that we saw uh, made an interesting catch. So keep an eye on him too when it comes to the backup tight end spots. Um, but uh, I'm going to go to a different note. Um, I guess I'll do two because they're short. Devontae Smith, he's still really good. <laughs> he, he ran <laughs> crisp routes all over the field and got open. Analysis. And made it look easy, as he should. Uh, wasn't at practice last week, but he was this week. By the way, Derek Barnett was also uh, at practice this week, although not participating still. Mm -hmm. Still, even though he had that ACL injury in week one last year. Um, uh, Maddox still not practicing. Mis uh, Mr. Mr. T Marlon Tui Pelotu was back mm -hmm. in practice, uh, more than not at all. So that's a good development for him. Um, sorry, I got sidetracked there. Uh, my second thing after Devonte Smith is good, which I don't think you really need to comment on is that I don't remember if I said this last week, I feel like Marcus Mariota does not have good zip on his throws like at all. Like, I feel like they kind of just mm. look like ducks to me. Like they really just, okay. that's really anecdotal. I know I like, don't, you know, like the radar gun out here, but like it kind of fits, right? Cause he, he was not a good downfield passer last year and he's had like issues with nerve damage in the past. Right. So, you know, maybe that's still the effects of that or whatever, but yeah. Uh, don't, it's got a funky throwing motion. Maybe that's part of it too. It's not like he stunk up the joint. I don't really think he did much noteworthy at all. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't fully buy it, I guess. Both of the, like the two and the three, if we're calling Tanner McKee, the three, they both kind of have weird throwing motions hmm. where like, uh, Mariota kind of looks like herky jerky. Like he pulls it up, you know, not right. Just fell craft jerky, herky jerky. And like on some of his stories, it almost kind of looks like he's like shot putting it, but, hmm. but in like sort of a fast motion shot put, it's weird. But it doesn't seem <laughs> like. It does come out awkwardly. I agree with you there. I don't know if I I agree mm. that it doesn't have zip, but I but I do think it do, it does come. Out, it looks weird when it comes out, and maybe that's 
I, I don't know. Now, now I'm now I want to see him. Yeah, again. pay more attention like, to that in training camp. Yeah, and then McKee has I wouldn't call it a three quarter motion. It's not quite that drastic, but he's not over the top with his motion, which um, you'd like to see that actually from a guy who's already six six. Like you know, you're not going to get any batted passes at the line. Um, but um, I actually comped him recently to Kerry Collins, who actually had like a a weird three quarter ish type of delivery as well. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, when, when you guys get to see him in the preseason games, you know, you're going to get like a more normal throwing motion out of Jalen Hurts. And then these other two guys are going to come in and it's going to look a little weird. I don't think McKee is wowed at all. Uh, He's barely, you know, had reps when we've seen him, but I do think in the limited playing time that I've seen, I don't think he's looked rattled. I think he's looked like poised. I mean, he should seven on seven defensive line isn't there. Uh, but I think back to like Carson Strong last year, who did not yeah. look good, even in the seven on seven settings. Uh, so I do think that's a difference. I think I've seen people at times, not so much recently and not like fervently, but I've seen like people be like, well, this is just a wasted pick. You know, it's quarterback. It's like Carson Strong last year. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Clayton Thorson, you could tell immediately he looked bad. Too. Yeah, I think McKee at least doesn't look bad, like awful from the jump. So he's cleared that threshold yeah, already. Yeah, he looks like <laughs> he might be something as opposed to just He's better than Clayton Thorson and yeah. He's not DOA. And Carson Strong right off the bat. So So there's that. <laughs> not a high bar, but yeah, he's cleared that so far. So uh golf clap for him. Uh what do you have next? <laughs> so, uh Nolan Smith. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he was a big uh topic of conversation during our last podcast. Um I enjoy watching him on the field. Like even just, he didn't do much during seven on sevens. I don't even think he was involved with them. I think he was off with the defensive linemen uh, during seven on seven. So we didn't even see him during the competitive parts of, of practice, but they were running these punt block drills uh, before they kind of got going during seven on sevens. And he's totally engaged on all that stuff. And it was interesting to kind of see that in person because a couple of weeks ago, and I think we mentioned he was on the Chris Long podcast, and he was – if you haven't listened to that yet, fire that up, mm-hmm. the, you know, his appearance on the Chris Long podcast. It's near the end of the Chris Long episode. It's him and actually Howie. Uh, the Howie part wasn't quite as interesting, but the, the uh, Nolan Smith portion of that podcast is really worth listening to. You really get a good idea of, like, what that kid is all about. And one of the things that he talked about – during that podcast uh, episode was he was really mad that he lost. <laughs> I guess he, I don't even know if you'd call it a battle, but uh, he was the number two guy on the punt coverage team at Georgia. So he was a, a core special teamer in addition to being a starter from like as a freshman um, at Georgia. And this is a guy that we're talking about here that like he was a top recruit. At, like in the country out of high school, second in the nation by ESPN recruiting, second in the nation by rivals.com, fourth in the country by 247 sports. Like those are the top three really, um, you know, uh, 247 rating services. What's that? You call it 247 sports? 247 Wouldn't sports. It be 24 is that not what it seven? is? Like, you know. Oh, yeah. I guess that would, I guess 24 <laughs> seven sports. Yeah. I guess I never really read it that way, but I guess not that's a big it. deal. But I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, two forty-seven sports. You know, like twenty-four-seven uh, coverage as opposed to <laughs> the number two hundred and forty-seven. <laughs> so yeah, he was a core special teamer. He played on all four, um, you know, punt, punt coverage, punt return, 
kick coverage, kick return. He was on all four of them. But he was the number two guy on the punt team. And he, was, and he said on the podcast, he said, I'll just read it real quick. I was on all the teams. I was a special teams guy. I played on all four teams. I think the lowest I was on teams was the two, and that was on punt. I was the left guard, and I'm still mad about that. And then he and then he spoke directly to I guess who who their special teams coordinator was. He said, "Coach Hartley, I'll never effing forget that." Uh, and then I guess the, his teammate's name was Smell uh, Mondon. I think is I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, but he said Smell Mondon did not <laughs> did not beat me out of that job. I took every step every day correctly. So to have a guy who's consensus. Top four recruit in the country, and he's and he's mad because he's the number two guy on one of the four special teams mm-hmm. teams. That's that tells you a lot about what that guy is a as a competitor and b as a guy that just loves playing football. And you gotta love to to kind of hear that kind of quote uh, from the Chris Long podcast. And then you know, just like I said, just I was kind of focused on watching him during special teams drills, and yeah, he's totally into it. I am looking forward to the Nolan Smith mic'd up uh, whenever we get that. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's this season as a rookie, but I feel like we're going to get it at some point, and I'm sure he's going to, you know, obviously they, they don't really like show you always the best things, but I still think he'll provide enough content that there will be some good things relative to other mic'd up players. So uh, looking forward to that because he brings the juice uh, really high in Nolan Smith. All right, Jimmy, why don't we take another break here before we get into our last segment. And before we do that, I will tell you once again about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can get by going to RighteousFelon.com, which I'm currently doing here on my phone. Um, They have like bundles of gifts you can get. Father's Day coming up. Um, uh, When's Father's Day? I should know this, but I don't. That's the 18th? Yeah, it's the 18th. So plenty of time, I believe, to order and uh, get some treats for your dad. It's an easy gift that I'm sure he will love. Um, a bunch of other options available at Righteous Selling Calf Jerky. Uh, and you can also look at like, hey, like 100% pure. For too long, jerky has been cut with weird fillers, strange chemicals, and swag ingredients. Righteous Selling products are high in protein, low in sugar, and made with clean, simple ingredients you can pronounce without ever compromising taste or texture. You can also see like where they source their jerky. Uh, they are, they have a thing that says fast shipping, which I've talked about before. My mom ordered like, and got it the next day. Uh, so, yeah, go check out rightsofselling.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. It helps support BGN Radio. It's the meat snack that is located at the NovaCare complex that Eagles players eat. So it's really a no-brainer to go try it with discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio. I have to keep clearing my throat because the smoke, I think, is uh, just destroying my lungs. I I don't know if this is true. I love my mom, but she definitely said something. Stop being a liberal snowflake, <laughs> complaining about that. She, 
<laughs> about <smoke>. the weather. <laughs> Man up. Um, she said something to the effect that like the air quality was so bad it was like smoking six hundred cigarettes or something. No, so the, the what it was is uh, if you're outside for twenty four hours, gotcha. it's the equivalent of smoking six cigarettes. Hmm. Is what I had seen. Well, I don't smoke cigarettes, and uh, I don't plan on it. Because I don't really love, I'm not like a big, uh, I just don't love the the burning. I don't love that, necessarily. Uh, it feels like I can't breathe, and I don't love that. Typically, I do want to breathe well, and not happening right now. Um, I don't know why I brought this up. But in any case, uh, my next observation, Jimmy, is something that really didn't have to do with practice so much itself. It's something that was said before practice in Nick Sirianni's like what I guess is his final press. Oh, conference. this is where I was going to. This is my last note, so uh, I'm done. I'm wiped out after well, this. Here we go. Continue. I think same. So it's <laughs> fitting that we end. I'm looking yeah, going through my good. notes. Yeah, it is my final one here, and it's that uh, Quez Watkins was the player that Nick Sirianni named when he was specifically asked who stood out in spring workouts and OTAs. Is there any kind of are there any players that stood out? Uh, was not specifically asked about Quez Watkins, which is meaningful because typically um, it means more when a coach kind of or a player throws out a name unprompted as opposed to, hey, how did Quez Watkins do? Oh, he did great. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. So it is noteworthy, especially, I think, because Sirianni doesn't do this. Like, I was surprised he said it at all because typically I feel like he, he knows what the media is trying to do. And he kind of doesn't want to single guys out because he feels like it's unfair to other players uh, mm -hmm. if he, you know, if he leaves someone out. So it was interesting to me that he said Quez Watkins is, quote, doing a really good job and, quote, playing a number of different positions. Or sorry, no, that was Jalen Hurts, um, who also hyped up Quez, but was specifically asked about Quez. Um, I think Sirianni said Quez is doing a phenomenal job and kind of alluded to Quez knowing that people are kind of down on him um, mm -hmm. and kind of being motivated by that. So I guess my question for you is like, what do you, what, what do you make of that entirely? Uh, two things. Well, one thing really. And then maybe, well, I'll just say it. <laughs> uh, I think some people are motivated by positive encouragement and feedback and maybe that's what quiz is mm -hmm. and uh maybe it's sirianni is just playing that and some you know some people players whatever can be motivated by criticism or negative feedback maybe that's not what quiz is so maybe he needed to hear through the grapevine some positive feedback from the head coach um in which case that was probably a pointed effort by sirianni to do that if you want to go a little more conspiracy yes. here, you could say maybe they're pumping them up because they already signed Alameda Zacchaeus in free agency and he's a reliable slot receiver. And Quez Watkins is making 2.8, something like that, um, because he reached playing time incentive. So he got a bump in pay in his fourth year on his rookie contract. Which, you know, not a ton of money, but not meaningless. It's a lot for a guy who's um, going to be, like, f at most fourth in targets on the team. Yeah, and just for historical reference on that, we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but Rizul Douglas got a, got that same mm -hmm. type of bump in his fourth year, and they were basically going to cut him unless he took a pay cut off of that, and he took the pay cut. And then he wound up getting cut at 53-man cutdowns anyway. Um, 
So, you know, it's not out of the, out of the, the Eagles look at that bump as something they'd prefer not to have to pay, um, which of course any team would, but they, they've taken it to the, to the, not the extreme, but they've taken it to the point where they've said to a player, we're going to cut you if you don't, if you don't shave mm-hmm. some of that off. I don't think they're asking Quest to do that. I thought they might, but I don't think they're doing that here. But if, uh, you know, they, if I, I feel like if, if they could trade him, mm-hmm. I think they'd be open to that. I think they'd be open to trading Quez Watkins to a team that needs wide receiver help, mm-hmm. uh, given that they added um, Alameda Zacchaeus. Uh, interestingly, Nick Sirianni said that Britton Covey has made uh, strides mm-hmm. so far this season as well. He's not an outside receiver. If he's ever to, going to play in the in the regular offense at all, it's going to be in the slot. Yeah. So, you know, they have some slot that Greg Ward is still kicking around. Um, they signed... Uh, Joseph Ngata, mm-hmm. uh, in as an undrafted rookie free agent, he got the highest signing bonus among yes. all the undrafted guys. So at a minimum, that guy's going to be on the practice squad. That guy can play in the slot maybe a little bit. So they have slot receivers. They don't have depth on the outside. And they have mentioned that like Quez can also play outside. So right now, Quez would be the, the primary outside backup. Mm-hmm. Like if Devontae, what I mean by that is the, if Devontae or A.J. Brown went down, He's now a starting outside receiver. I think they could maybe add an, an outside receiver at some point. Whether I mean, it's not going to be you know DeAndre Hopkins or anything like that. But like Julio Jones, if he's ring chasing, doesn't want to be paid a lot of money. Kenny Galladay, you know, there's still some like veterans around out there that have had big seasons in the past. Uh, be maybe get a little bit more creative uh, with an outside receiver or whatever. But um, they they do have a lack of depth in my opinion <clears throat> on the outside there, but. You know, bring it back to Quez. That's sort of how I read that. Either he just needed positive reinforcement, or uh, you know, like I said, a little more tinfoil. Maybe not tinfoil, but a little more conspiratorial. You know, <laughs> maybe they're just saying nice things about him publicly. Uh, so you know, to sort of pump up its trade value, if if uh, if, if that's what they're thinking. As I like to often say, more than one thing can be true. I think it's possible that it's both that they're pumping yeah. up Quez because they think that's the best way to motivate him and it doesn't do at the very least it doesn't do anything to harm Quez Watkins trade value by talking him up it's not like just because you know Sirianni's talking up another team like takes that as gospel and wants to do it but uh, it might be on their radar like oh well coach is talking them up so that's another positive indicator so um I think with Quez it's tough because I really liked what we saw out of him in training camp for a while or in, in small flashes in the preseason. Like, it's not that it's it's different than, let's say, Jalen Rager, who I thought just stunk, really. Like, didn't, like, just didn't have it. I never really saw much there that made me believe he was actually, like, I, I just never really saw the flashes with him. Other You'd than, get a highlight real catch or two or three throughout the preseason, but otherwise, nothing. And yeah, the best moment of his career in the NFL was when he made that one-handed catch in a one-on-one setting (laughs) in practice, wasn't even a full regular (laughs) team drill, and was like totally invisible in team drills. Um, It was an amazing catch, but it's also not like, it's not real football. It's just a one-on-one drill. Anyway, um, like I've definitely seen Quez make like, you know, wow, like impressive NFL plays, not only as a deep threat, but as a guy who surprisingly, again, I've said this before in the past, like for a, a, a slighter frame can like go up and get it as a mm-hmm. contested catch guy it's more su- surprisingly so so it's not that i don't believe like he can do that stuff it's just that i think it's insane to go into season like trusting him at all like he he totally 
lost all right to be trusted in huge spots and moments that directly led to losing. You know what I mean? Like these were yeah. these, these were moments. It wasn't like oh we played poorly, but then the team still won anyway. It wasn't a big deal. No, like these mistakes were the like game losing, Super Bowl championship losing mistakes. Ultimately, at the end of the day, and he's not the only reason they lost the Super Bowl, but like he was a reason. And I just think it's really tough to trust him. So I think it's a little mis. Like I, I worry sometimes that Sirianni's messaging on Quez is just like wrong. Or not not to him, but more so to the public. Like, well, Quez wasn't, you know, he didn't have a good year or whatever because he didn't get volume. No one's complaining about that. He didn't need to be a volume <laughs> right. player last year. Yeah. Like, that's not, yeah. like, that's just a straw man argument. Like, well, Quez didn't play well. And also, by the way, you still have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. So it's not like he's going to suddenly, why is he going to get more volume this year? Like, well, that's going to change. It shouldn't change. Um, so I don't really get that argument that Sirianni always uses. Um, like, so I don't know. I, I just think Quez has proved untrustworthy to this point. So that kind of count on him would be really silly to me. Um, it doesn't mean you have to get him off the team, but you have to. You can't. You can't be having this, just the same role that he did last year. You can't just stick your head in the sand and be like, "Well, he'll be fine this year. He'll bounce back." Definitely. Like, why? Why should I believe that? There's no reason to believe that unless he has like some awesome training camp and preseason and truly works his way back into the Eagles' good graces. I think there's a path to that, but. Right now, like I just to assume that's going to happen, and to just hand him that kind of opportunity, I don't think that's smart. Yeah, he had, and just to sort of document the not document because we're talking, but uh, to sort of just talk about the, the specific plays that you mentioned where like they were losing plays. Washington, the, he makes the catch deep down the field. It gets up, and he's running, and and he fumbles. If he doesn't fumble, they probably win that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had a, I don't remember if it was the Dallas game, the second Dallas game that is, or the Saints game, both of which were started by Gardner Minshew, um, that they both lost. He was directly responsible for one of Gardner Minshew's interceptions mm-hmm. in those games, um, which again, if that, if he doesn't throw that pick, maybe they win that game, uh, was directly responsible for an interception throw by Jalen Hurts. I think it was the Giants game at the end of it, like the last game of the season that they needed to you know, lock up home field advantage at the playoffs. They didn't lose that game, of course, um, so it didn't hurt them that badly. But uh, ran a bad route. Jalen Hurts threw an interception, and you know, I think that cost him some trust mm-hmm. uh, from Hurts. And then in the Super Bowl, of course, you know, not a not a layup play, but a play that you expect. You know, you're you're if you if you're get if you if you're a guy that has to sort of mm-hmm. make the make do with the targets you're getting. Got, you got to make that mm-hmm. play. And, and it's a play that he should have made. Um, again, like not a super easy play, but a, a play that in my opinion, he should have played. If he makes that play, I don't know how that game turns out. Maybe they win the Super Bowl. Maybe they still don't. But it's a play you certainly want them to make. I can't get over. The one thing I can't get over the Super Bowl, <clears throat> I'll never be able to get over to go on a tangent here. Obviously, the Bradbury <laughs> thing is what you know people are always going to remember because at the end of the game. But the Devontae Smith yeah. catch on, along the sideline overturned. I just – I can never – I still think about that, like, maybe daily. Because uh, it's just insane. Like, there's – I was watching – I don't know why I do this to myself, but I was watching the um, no clear recovery, you know, from the Eagles yeah, Cowboys yeah, game yeah. at the beginning of – or uh, that was the 2018 season, I think. Um, just insane. Like, insane – like, it's just like, what are you looking at? Like, this isn't – the Devontae catch – like they, if they ruled it incomplete initially, sure. But you ruled it complete, and then you looked at that video 
which was not was just, I just I cannot it was just wasn't conclusive. It was it wasn't. You can't you can tell me that you were ninety nine percent sure that was not a catch. Okay, sure, but that's not the threshold, is it? It's a hundred percent. You cannot say with a hundred percent certainty it wasn't a catch. And that play, um, I forget when Nick was celebrating on the sideline, like saying, "All right, come on down." Right, and that like, and they, like that's a catch. They could have gotten and, seven there instead of three, it. and that would have been a huge. Yeah. So anyway, sorry to go off on that, but like I just think that's insane that that doesn't like. Well, it's it's funny you mention that because like the the like the first Super Bowl, the one they won against the Patriots, there were a lot of calls that could have gone bad and i think all the calls that they made were right mm-hmm. but there were a lot of calls that could have gone badly like the Ertz, uh you know when he when he dove and when he the ball hit the ground mm-hmm. in the end zone it popped up and they, they were gonna maybe not call that a catch after he took like four steps and, and jumped like it was that would have been the most insane overturn ever yeah. and then the other one like the 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 pass to Corey clement in the back of the end zone yeah. where he caught it and then he brought the ball back into him, but the ball was in midair for a, for like a, a hot, like a hot second while he he had total control of the ball. But they were you, you slow anything down. This is a big Les Bowen gripe yeah. about replays where you slow any, anything down by you know five times, you're gonna find something maybe to like <laughs> to nitpick and, and and overturn something. But they made the right call by not overturning that. And I feel like there was another one that could have gone badly if uh if they had uh i feel like Devontae's catch on the sideline is more of a catch than Corey clemens catch like okay i'd have to look at the the Devontae one again i i i I can't in my i can't even really picture in my mind what happened on the play down the right sideline back and look at that but um but yeah the eagles were fortunate that you know they didn't get hosed (laughs) in the super bowl that they won but they kind of did a little bit in the in the last one, you know. Not that not that like to, to make you know the the referee excuse, but they didn't get that same luck that they did the first time around. Well, yeah, again, like the Bradbury thing, that's more of like I don't like it, but it's that's that was a penalty. But like, come on, <laughs> it's also like I thought that was clearly a penalty. He definitely impeded his progress, but it's a call that they don't normally make in that situation. It's also I think Bradbury's comments from after that game kind of got misinterpreted. He did not say. Like, that definitely should have been a flag. That's not what he said, at least to my interpretation. He <laughs> said he was doing that all game, and then they threw it there. Like, he kind of said, like, in not direct kind of a way. He took accountability, which he should for that. But in a way, I thought he pointed out that that was not the first time he did that all game. And yet it was the first time they called it all game. I thought he kind of at least alluded to that. Um, he didn't say, like, it should not have been a flag. But he did say, kind of like what you're saying, that, well, then, like, the standard for that game was that that wasn't a flag earlier, but then it was in that moment. So that's kind of, you know, not really. I like this answer great. there. He didn't go down like it, 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 him and the Eagles in general yes. didn't go down like a bunch of losers. Yeah, he wasn't excuse making, to be clear. But I think he did <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. point out that like he was that wasn't the first time he did that all game. He kind of did right. say that. So, um, you know, anyway, that was a tangent. But um, I'm going to go back and rewatch the Super Bowl for an article where uh so I feel like I kind of need to do a uh, what's the word? Like I guess to kind of have closure on it to put it, like kind of really tie a bow okay. on the twenty twenty two season and then be able to kind of ex- it's an exorcism almost exercise yeah, the demons. exercise the demons kind of put out some final thoughts on that game and also like if you're be like what Brandon why do you do that it's insane why would you want to hurt yourself like that well the the part of the goal is like so that you don't have to so if you ever kind of get that itch for some reason I don't know why you would but if you did. 
Well, now you don't have to because I can do it for you. So I'm trying to hope I'm hoping to do that uh, at some point before training camp begins as a way to kind of close officially, like kind of close the book, get closure in the 2022 season. Um, But anyway, this is a big tangent. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I've actually looked back at that game just in bits and pieces, like for, uh, like, you know, film breakdowns or whatever. And I forget what I was watching specifically, but there, the chiefs made a lot of really little plays that wound up being big. Sure. Like the one that stands out in my mind there is the Eagles are down in uh chief's territory. I think they were just on the outside of the red zone and Joan hurts. Oh, I was okay. So I remember what it was. I was tallying all the Eagles sacks allowed on the mm-hmm. season i'll have that at excuse me i'll have that out next week and one of the sacks was like a one yard loss on a play where jalen hurts ran out of bounds but he had like a he had to beat 99 i forget his name kalen saunders maybe mm. he had to beat him to the edge he's like a 300 plus pound defensive tackle and this saunders dude 99 hustled his ass off to run to the perimeter to to force Jalen Hurts to run out of bounds when otherwise it would have been like a gain of at least ten yards and they probably and they wound up kicking a field goal on that possession instead of getting a touchdown. So that was just one of just in looking back at that game at specific players just because I'm doing like a film breakdown or whatever. Uh, just little things like that have stood out in the Chiefs making all these beyond Patrick Mahomes playing his ass off. They made a lot of big plays in that game. It's a game of inches, as they say, Jimmy. Yeah. Um. Get into final thoughts territory here, but uh, Vic Fangio, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, the slip <laughs> yeah, right, was asked at Miami Dolphins practice, OTA practice on Thursday, if basically you know uh, he was asked like if the Jonathan Gannon you know situation was like went differently, uh, would he have been the Eagles' defensive coordinator? And what did he say? Did you see it? He said, I, he said, I won't confirm or deny well, or something like yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> but he, so like, if it weren't, if, if that weren't the case, yeah. he would have just said, no. Right. No, it's a dumb question. Next, next. But yeah, no, he was basically, he left, he left the window open for whatever interpretation you want to make. And uh, the one that I made was that, oh yeah, he would have been the Eagles defensive coordinator. If, uh, why wouldn't he have been? If, he was if, in the building. Like they were, yeah. why would they want to con- like consult with him apparently just for offense, like, you know, consulting, using him as an offensive guy, you know, getting a defensive mindset and then like, we just want him to leave. You know, and it doesn't make sense. Like, okay, we let, we value your input here, but actually we don't want you. And actually we want a guy who has worked with you. But isn't you? You know I mean? that doesn't really add up. Of course they wanted him, right? Like, why would they want Sean Desai over Vic Fangio? Um, well, not to say that Desai can't be good, but like, that's like the that's the OG. Like, you're getting the the original version of this. Why do you want the adaptation of that defense? What would it have been, by the way? Like, why wouldn't he have? Like, why would he have taken the? Was it because Gannon said on the field? After the NFC Championship game, I'm back. I'm going to be the defensive coordinator again next year. Is it that? Is it at that point Fangio saw that and went, okay, well, I'm going to get a defensive coordinator job somewhere else then? Yeah, I kind of like struggle to fully reconcile this too. I mean, I guess you could say like if the Cardinals had shown initial interest in Gannon, um, you know, like during that for the wild card, yeah, when it was allowed to have contact with them, yeah. By the way, why didn't they? Like, why wouldn't they just interview? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, what, did they see? Did they see something in the Super Bowl where they're like, "Oh, we got to have this guy"? <laughs> well, I mean, it was after the championship game. I guess that they really okay, right, locked right, in right. on him. But even then, like, 
Even though, yeah, right. They they didn't have quarterbacks. <laughs> um, it's it's not like he it's not like he uh he game planned the crap out of that game as much as uh, the Eagles' pass rush is just awesome. It's gonna be and very they, fun to root against the Cardinals for <laughs> as long as he is there. Just is. I mean, all right. We don't need to re- relitigate Gannon. I, I I feel like a lot of people involved in that situation. Not I'm not talking about like the fans or whatever. I'm talking about like personnel people now hate Jonathan Gannon. What do you mean? Like they, I think a lot of people are very upset with the way that Jonathan Gannon handled himself uh, during the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. You mean Eagles people? Eagles people and probably Fangio too. Hmm. Yeah, sure. I can't speak for, I can't speak for anyone. I can't speak right, for Fangio, but, or, or like the Eagles or whatever, but I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like uh, he pissed off a lot of people. I mean, that's what um, Matt Mullen said, uh, or oh, did he? Who was it? There was an article on the Inquirer. Oh, it was Marcus Hayes, I think, actually. Oh, Matt okay. Mullen, our good friend Matt Mullen was promoting it. That's why I had it in my head. But yeah, Marcus Hayes had cited a couple sources right around the draft after the tampering stuff came out that people in Eagles building were not happy with mm-hmm. Jonathan Gannon. That's probably that's probably right. Um, and it's like I've because I've heard people be like, "Well, does it really matter? You know, like, whatever." Like, was he like? Did he not want to beat Patrick Mahomes or drop a great game plan because he took like a whatever phone call? It's like that's not the point. If 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 more than zero percent of Jonathan Gannon's energy was on not was was what's the way to phrase this? If more than one percent of Jonathan Gannon's energy went to something other than stopping Patrick Mahomes, that's too much. That's way too much. It's yeah. already too much. Agreed. That's a failure. Like no wrong if he was not 100 percent locked in would it have made a difference too i don't know but that's not the point it's that like like if he went to dinner with his wife and kids if you're not going to slam him for that but sure but that he was he was interested in his own yeah he's about um, to have a personal life but he can't have a professional conflict (laughs) yes exactly you can't be uh, thinking about your future as a head coach when you have a super bowl possibility right in front of you when you have a ring right in front of your face and does the evidence say that he was like does does the fact that you know like the chiefs offensive performance Mahomes these were like all-time performances for Mahomes and the chiefs they weren't this wasn't just like another routine game for them like by measures of like epa per drive and all that stuff Mm -hmm. like success rate like this was like a very it's one of the worst defensive games the eagles have played since like 2000 or something some of those metrics like, does that really point to Gannon definitely being like locked in and all? Like, because if he was, then that's even more embarrassing because then yeah. he tried super hard and was like a total failure. So whatever, yeah, he sucks. Um, and then just all the lying about like, yeah, <laughs> you know, saying like uh, a, a reporter said, "I want you fired," right. and nothing even remotely close to that happened. Yep. Uh, what was the other thing you lied about? Uh, I mean, we just got stuff factually wrong too. Oh, so there was there was a thing. He lied where, about the tampering. Yeah, right. He did lie about the tampering, and then there was a thing during the Super Bowl week where he said he was uh, out to he was out at a restaurant or something like that, and an Eagles fan came up and started the 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 phrase he used was started dog cussing him. I now I means. wonder if that happened like that when he said that I was like oh wow that's really aggressive behavior by a fan like that sounds that sounds over the top but I never you know considered that he was 
lying about that. But now hearing that, like, he made up a, a, a whole scenario about a reporter telling him he wanted to be fired. Like, I wonder if, like, that story about the, mm. the fan, quote unquote, dog cussing him actually happened either. Snake oil salesman, Jonathan Yeh. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> final thoughts, Jimmy. Um, looking forward to a little time at the beach coming up. Uh, you're an LBI guy, right? That's right. You going down at all? I'll be there at some point. I think, yeah, I think going in a couple weeks from Monday or so. Yeah, well, hit me up. Uh, okay, we'll get a beer or something. Okay, sure. But yeah, looking forward to looking forward to this time off. Uh, I know that like a lot of people say like there was just a thing people were tweeting out a few days ago like only a hundred days until the 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 you know the the opening Thursday night game. I'm not in a rush. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm looking forward to enjoying my summer a little bit. Summer's the best time of the year, in my opinion, just generally speaking. And then when football season comes around at the end of the summer, that's great too. But uh, you know, I'm in no rush to to go ahead and enjoy my summer here. I mean, I get it from a fan perspective because you're not like it's not literally your job. Um, I know, I know, people right? Treat I understand, it that way. but like even even just generally speaking, isn't summer still like the best time of year? Uh, I'm a fall guy. Well, how would you rank them, one to four? Fall, summer, spring, winter. I'm not. I don't like the cold a ton. Yeah, I'd go summer, fall, spring, winter. I love the. I think the ideal weather should be you should be able to wear a hoodie and like you know sweatpants or jeans or whatever, uh, or shorts. In either way, feel comfortable. Like you're not too hot in the hoodie or you're not too cold in the shorts, and that's like fall. Okay, like that great fall weather you get. I feel like that crisp air. Um, so big fall guy. Um, not not a fall a little guy. California action there. Uh, you gonna move to Cali? No, can't. I mean the they have the forest fires out there too. Yeah, that air. Also expensive from what i hear and also i don't know not a believer in pacific time east coast time baby it's the only time that counts it's the only true east coast bias yeah it's the only, the only true time um my final thought is want to give a shout out to sd once again e-s-t-i not a sponsor but our, our, our friends who've hooked us up in the past with some free hummus jimmy you just got some last week, right? Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Yeah, had Kristen it. Roach of Roach Realtors is a big hummus fan. So she had that. And then what was the other thing that it's you overnight got? Overnight oats. They have other things that are not overnight hummus. oats. Yeah. She was a big fan of the overnight oats. Okay. Yeah. They uh if you see again, if you see those in stores, uh any kind of SD product, give it a try. I think you'll like it. Not a sponsor, just a, a brand that I think is really good and I believe in. Um all right. So like we did the thing where like short episode and now we're an hour and 13 minutes (laughs) right so in you called it so uh yeah but we will even though the eagles are taking a break we will still be recording weekly pretty much here Uh, i believe we will have one of our i'm gonna i'm not gonna say what it is exactly i'll leave the suspense to me but we're gonna have one of our favorite podcasts that we do each year next week so we're gonna do that that's gonna be a lot of fun it's one that the listeners you and the readers of bleeding green nation um can get involved in as well so that'll be fun and plenty of other good content still coming up on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. I know, Jimmy, you'll have your Dumpster Fire series soon. You talked about, when was that again? It's, uh... Jimmy is leaning over Cowboys, to look at his calendar. The Cowboys will be, Cowboys will be tw- the 26th okay, of June. Okay, so late June. And then it'll be Giants the 27th, Commanders the 28th. Spoiler, I, I think I can just go ahead and say this. I'm going to do one on the 49ers this year. Wow. And then on that Thursday... 
uh, and then the Eagles uh, to wrap it up on that Friday that week. Can you do one about? It's always the last week of June. Can you I, do, I do one for the Cardinals too, please? <laughs> I mean, that's very easy. <laughs> that's a little easy, yeah. But yeah. I think it's deserved because of Gannon. But I can, I can shoehorn them in into one of them, maybe whether it's the Eagles just, or the Forty ers Yeah, or, or the Forty Nine ers are in one their division and just a takedown of Gannon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So this has been BGN Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jim Kemsky on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, our handles should be in the show description here below. In addition to information on our sponsors, Righteous Felon and Craft Jerky, go to RighteousFelon.com. It's going to help BGN15 for 15% off your order. And if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you can contact Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com by calling or texting this following phone number. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Give it a try. Reach out to her, and uh, you know if you need that information. And what's what's the service she provides for free, Jimmy? You always say like an estimate on your home. Oh yeah. So if you're just looking to get like uh, an idea of what your house would sell for, if you're putting it yeah. up for for sale or whatever, because like the real estate market has exploded over the last two three years, where how you know home prices have gone way the hell up. Um, so, you know, she can basically do home comps in your area and uh, give you a really good idea of what your house would probably sell for. So she doesn't charge anything for right. that. Just if uh, she does that for you, just ask that, you know, you give her the chance to be your realtor whenever sure. you do buy or sell a house. Yeah. Give it a try. Why not? I mean, even if you're not looking to sell, why not get an idea of what your home could be worth if you, you know, want to do it down the road or just want to. Or if you're just curious, right? And uh, yeah, and then mm-hmm. you can always pay her back by using her when you do need to do that. Or I'm guessing if she's not licensed in a certain area, she can maybe help you connect with people as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like if you, if uh, I mean, if you're anywhere in the country, so Remax is is uh, is national, and she has a you know she knows who's good and who isn't. Um, so if you're you know anywhere in the country and you're looking for a realtor, hit her up and yeah. she'll help you out with that too. All right, awesome. Uh, we will talk to you all next week here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.